Ben Davis. This is my wife, Christina, and our son, Brayden. We are excited to tell you how God has divinely disrupted our lives this past year. For us, one of the big motivations for adoption um, was the adoption that we see in Scripture. Um, we know that we, as Christians, are sons and daughters adopted by God. Um, and that, that is our identity, sons and daughters of the true and living God through the work of Jesus Christ and, and his death and resurrection for us and for our sins. And, and that, um, that beautiful picture of adoption is the, the essence of who we are. Um, and so that is, is a big motivation for us um, in, in our adoption story. Another aspect of adoption that um, recently came um, through a book that I was reading um, was finding out that Jesus was adopted by his earthly father, Joseph. Um, we see that, that genealogy uh, lined out there in Matthew 1, um, and we see um, Jesus was the son of Joseph, who um, is in the line of Abraham and David. Um, we see that, that Jesus um, is Joseph's son, but we know that he is not biologically of Joseph. So um, that is a beautiful picture of Jesus himself being adopted by Joseph. Initially, we thought about wanting to move forward with um, biological children first, but God really pressed on our heart the importance of starting with adoption, and we decided that God was calling us to a domestic infant adoption. And part of that was, um, as first ten parents, we wanted um, we wanted to pursue an open adoption, and we wanted to pursue. Uh, an adoption that would allow us to have contact with the birth mill. At the end of 2018, we had decided on an agency and we started the process at the very beginning of 2019. Throughout that time, um, the life group that we were part of at Seacoast, um, they, they journeyed alongside us. They prayed for us, they prayed for the process, they prayed for the future birth mom, uh, future baby. Uh, they helped us do a garage sale so that we could help raise funds to cover some of the agency fees and um, they, they just journeyed with us in a way that was really powerful and really encouraging um, for us. So at this point, we're just waiting. We're waiting for a call, we're waiting to hear um, from the agency. We were checking in monthly um, just to see if anyone had looked at their profile um, and just learning to wait. In the beginning of 2020, um, right before COVID, right before the shutdowns, um, our life group was actually having a gathering um, outside and outside the same house that we had the garage sale. And it was just a community event. We would bring together neighbors and someone from our someone from our group actually brought a friend. Um, and this friend was um, expecting uh, her, uh, her first child. And as we were leaving the event, um, ben and I both, we took the time to pray for her and to pray for her journey, uh, not knowing what it was going to look like, not thinking that we would be a part of any of it. Um, we just, we felt it pressed on our heart to, to pray for her. Little did we know um, that during those months from February to May, God was doing the same thing in her heart where um, we kept um he kept bringing us to her mind as well. And we spent the next several months getting to know her, um, getting to know her family, and you know, ultimately, Brayden, Brayden and me 
April 3rd, Davis, and Cohen from August 12th, 2020. It's been a joy getting to know getting to know him and for him still being able to have a relationship with his birth mom and being able to keep keep an open relationship and being able to, to see her and spend quality time with her. In summary, uh, I, I believe what God has really taught us um, through this whole process is um, that he is in control. And we, we had a plan for how this was going to go, and he divinely disrupted that plan in, in great ways, great ways that we couldn't have imagined, um, but we are so grateful he did. Um, he is the sovereign God that we trust, and um, we are are grateful for that. I'm grateful that he does have a plan that we don't know about because it's almost always, in fact, it's always better than our plan. So thank you for listening to our story. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Matt, and it's a pleasure to be here with you. Uh, it was an amazing thing to actually be a part of that group that journeyed through uh, that story with uh, the, the Davises. And I got to say, you know, seeing the uh, process uh, play out, the process of adoption uh, play out, uh, it, was, it gave me a newfound appreciation for everything that, go- that goes into that. The, all the ups and downs and the twists and the turns. It's a crazy ride. So tip of the cap to you, parents who have adopted. Uh, tip of the cap to you guys. Uh, you, when you see the, the process of adoption play out, you can't help but to be reminded of the gospel. I mean, the whole thing is just, it's the story of the gospel. Uh, the theme of, of adoption is really at the heart of the gospel. I mean, you think about it. You and I, uh, we, here we are. The human race, we're born into sin that we inherited from the very first man, Adam. So in many ways, we are born into Adam's family. Ah, da-na-na-na. But that's the truth. We're born into Adam, Adam's family. We are spiritually dead. We're separated from God. Uh, but through Jesus Christ, we're made alive. We're brought out of Adam's family, and we are transferred into Jesus Christ. We're placed in Christ. We're transferred into God's family, and we're given full rights as sons and daughters of God. It's such a beautiful thing. You see, the gospel announces that the greatest adoption has taken place. The greatest adoption has taken place, and I love John 1, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And in Romans 8, we read, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, but rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. You see, the gospel is packed and loaded with the language of family and adoption. It's packed and loaded with it. You know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there about God, a lot of, of lies and misconceptions out there that really can cause a lot of fear. They can cause a lot of fear. There's, you know, many people are, will think of God as a cranky deity who's just up in there in, the, in heaven just trying to, he's just waiting to get you. If you mess up, he's going to get you. So we think of God as this cranky deity up, up in the sky. But the gospel announces, check this out, and this is what we celebrate at Christmas. The gospel announces that God isn't 
sending lightning bolts to kill. No, he sends his son to bring life. He's not trying to send lightning bolts to kill. He has sent his son to bring life. And to all who receive him and believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, adopted and loved. And so wherever you're at today, here on this plaza, watching, joining us online, wherever you are at today, know this. Know that God, we have a father. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to relate to him as a father. We don't slave away for God as servants. No, rather we trust and worship him as sons and daughters. And so I love Ben and Christina's story. I love uh, their story. It really, it, it sets the stage well for where we're going today. We are in our series uh, called Divine Disruption. And I'm going to go ahead and switch this mic. Mic, mic check? Okay, that's going to be better. Uh, we're in our series called Divine Disruption, and we've been looking, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the, peoples, the people in Scripture whose lives were divinely disrupted by the first Christmas, the coming of Jesus. And uh, last week, we explored the story of Mary, the mother of, of Jesus, who for sure, I mean, if anybody was divinely disrupted, we know that it was Mary, right? But there was another rather uh, innocent bystander who was, in fact, divinely disrupted as well. And we're going to look at him today. His name is Joseph, the earthly adoptive father of Jesus. And uh, I was thinking about it. Joseph, in many ways, is the unsung uh, hero of Christmas, right? I mean, literally unsung. There are, there's no songs sung about Joseph. I mean, if you think of one, please let me know. Joseph, did you know? It doesn't exist. Joseph, did you know that there was going to be no songs sung about you? I mean, come on. And I thought this was funny. There was a story that I came across about a, a church that was putting on the, you know, the, the annual Christmas play. And they were all set to go. And then the day of the performance, a mom, the mother of the, the boy who was supposed to play Joseph, she calls and says, my son can't make it. He's sick. We're unable to come. I'm so sorry. And then the people were like, what are we going to do? Is, I mean, it's the day of the, the performance. What are we going to do? And they're like, we just got to go on without him. And they did, and no one noticed. Poor Joseph. So if you ever have felt forgotten, if you've ever felt overlooked, Joe knows. Joe's got you. You're not alone. Now, it's easy to make a big deal about Mary, I mean, and rightly so, but Joseph's life was severely disrupted by the uh, invasion of, of God into this world when he came as a baby. So let's look together at Joseph, his story of divine disruption. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn or tap your way to Matthew. And we're going to be reading chapter 1, verses 18 and through 25, which was our Advent reading this morning. Thank you, David and Katie. Yeah, last week, we really, we heard this story, but we heard it from Luke's, in Luke's version, which was really telling the story of Christmas from Mary's perspective. And what Matthew does is he tells the same story, but we get a little bit more insight into Joseph's perspective, his point of view. So let's go ahead and jump in here. Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. 
But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And God, I ask right now, Lord, as your people here, Lord, through your word, by your spirit, God, would you take and use this familiar story, this familiar story of divine disruption, God, would you use it to remind us, refresh us, God, of your amazing grace. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, there's not a whole lot that we know about Joseph. I mean, there's really a very few verses about him, and only in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew and in Luke, does, does Joseph appear as a, a character in this narrative. And what's crazy is that Joseph, literally no words of his are recorded. All we have of Joseph is what he did. We don't have anything that he said. I mean, they say that actions speak louder than words, right? And that's <laughs> entirely true here, because all we have is Joseph's actions. We don't have anything that he said. All we know is, uh, about Joseph is what he did and how he responded to the divine disruption that happened when God sent Jesus. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to walk through this, uh, this text and just look at uh, several of the ways that Joseph's life was divinely disrupted and how he responded, what it revealed about who he is, and then what we can glean from it together. And so first things first, I, want, I think it's a really important to note that Joseph's life, it wasn't interrupted, it was disrupted. And I think there's a huge difference there. There's a huge difference between being interrupted and disrupted. You see, an, an interruption, it's like that uh, commercial break. It's a, it's a brief break in the action, you know, before things pick up and continue, continue on where they left off. But a disruption means that everything, everything from that moment on is forever different. Forever different. Everything has changed. You see, Joseph's life wasn't interrupted. It was disrupted. His life was forever altered. Whatever plans he had in life, whatever dreams and hopes, expectations that he had, they suddenly vanished. Verse 18, it tells us that Joseph and Mary were betrothed, or it means pledged or engaged to one another. Uh, and a betrothal in, in this culture, in, in this Jewish culture, it really was, it was phase one of a wedding, right? I mean, it usually lasted for about a year uh, for before the wedding night would finally come. And the thing, the thing is that the terms and the conditions of a betrothal, of being pledged, I mean, they were far, far more serious than what we think of when we think of uh, getting engaged. There were, there were legal things, there were legal arrangements that were made. And once betrothed, or pledged to one another, what would happen is the man would go off and he would begin to build the home, begin to prepare and build the home. And then one day when the wedding would finally come, he would go and get his bride and bring her back and they would have that wedding and they'd begin to build their life together. So Joseph knew that in a matter of months, so he's pledged, they're pledged to one another, betrothed, in a matter of months he would be officially married. And when that day finally came, 
man, I bet he was excited. Then when that day finally came, he would be able to take Mary home and they'd begin, they would be able to start their life together. And this is where we, where we uh, see Joseph, where we meet him in the story. You see, it, probably, it had probably been several months since he last saw or talked to Mary. You know, there, there was no texting, there was no FaceTime, there was no communication. So it had been months since they had seen or talked to one another. While Mary was away visiting her cousin, as we, we learned last week, Joseph was likely busy getting, getting the home ready. We, we know from Scripture that he was a carpenter, so he was probably just working away at this house and trying to put together this perfect home for them to live. And finally, the day arrived. The day arrived where she, she returned, and that's when everything came crashing down. See, all the hopes, the dreams, all the, the anticipation, the expectations that, that he had were all suddenly dashed and derailed. You see, Mary showed up, and she was visibly pregnant. And I don't know, we're not told what that moment was like when Joseph found out. We don't, we don't know. But Joseph knew for a fact that he was not the father. I mean, you've got to imagine what? Like, what would you be thinking, what would you be feeling in this moment? Betrayed, angry, shocked, confused, resentful, maybe even humiliated or just embarrassed at this whole thing. There's probably a lot of different feelings flying around. I mean, what had she done? And how, how could she do this to him? I mean, so much for all of the plans, all of the dreams and hopes that they had made for their life. Everything had changed. All of their plans were derailed. You see, his life was inter wasn't interrupted. It was disrupted. And here's the thing. When, when life is disrupted, okay, what we know to be true about this is when life, when disruption happens, what is inside you tends to come out. So you could say it this way, that disruption discloses your character. They say that the, the flavor of tea comes out in hot water, right? That when, when things are put, when the tea bag put in hot water, the, the flavor of it comes out. And in many ways, disruption is the hot water of life. It always reveals our character. And so what we get to see here, we get a really a front row seat to see this, that the disruption in Joseph's life, it disclosed the kind of man that he was. Verse 19, it says, because Joseph was a righteous man, a just man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let's talk about that for a little bit. What we see is Joseph, he had it in his mind. He wanted to do the right thing. And you got to think, like, okay, what's the right thing in this moment? What are the options? So one of the options would be, well, what if I just go ahead and get married? Just continue on. I mean, that's kind of what we, we know that ends up happening, but why not just do that from the get-go? Well, if you think about it, by marrying her, he would essentially be saying that he was complicit in the infidelity. It was an, an omission of guilt saying that he did not want to wait for marriage uh, to be official before they consummated the marriage. And this would likely trash his character, his reputation, if he did this, no one would, would anybody think of him as righteous anymore if that happened? It's probably unlikely. Okay, so that's the first one. Go ahead and get married. Ah, then there's, well, the, one of the options was, and this was provided 
to him by the law was divorce. Divorce. So Joseph knew he was, Joseph knew he was not guilty. But in, and according to the law, he had a right, a legal right to divorce her. But you got to think, man, this is going to pain him. This, is, this would, wouldn't be an easy decision to make. You see, Joseph knew that after divorcing Mary, that she's going to be carrying around the stigma. She's going to be carrying around the shame of her supposed actions, right? It would mean a lifetime of ridicule. And at a minimum, she's going to have a really, really hard life to live. Everyone would eventually know about her supposed infidelity. And she would likely live the rest of her life with a scarlet letter. There would probably, it, she'd be hard-pressed to find another man who would, would be willing to marry her. And she'd probably just be reliant on her parents and her, or her other family members to provide for her. But what's crazy and even worse <laughs> is that, and I, I, I got to imagine Joseph knew about this too. I mean, he knew he was a righteous man. He, he was a, go, a good Jewish guy. He probably knew the law. And the law states back in Deuteronomy and elsewhere that this kind of behavior deserves death by stoning. So he had to be wondering, I, I have to bet, like, he had to be wondering, like, are there ex these extremely religious zealots who are going to call for her execution? I mean, that's a scary thought. You see, divorcing her would undoubtedly put Mary in some kind of danger. So what we're seeing here is that Joseph, he's righteous, but we also see that he's compassionate. And because he didn't want to bring about extra harm to Mary, he decides I'm to divorce her, but to do it quietly. Quietly. I mean, he could have made a huge scene, right? He could have gone extremely public with it, gone public, get ahead of the story, control the narrative, distance himself from the scandal, convince people I'm still righteous. He could have made a loud stink, put together a whole PR campaign to protect his reputation. But because Joseph was compassionate, he did not want uh, Mary to suffer any more than she already would. And so in other words, he didn't, we see Joseph here, he's not just thinking about himself, he's thinking about her, what is going to help and protect her. And remember, at this point, we have to remember, like, from Joseph's perspective, Mary was the guilty one. And she did not deserve any of this compassion. From his perspective, all he knew is that she had been unfaithful. But when the hot water of disruption came into his life and all of the plans were derailed, what we see, the character that we see come out in Joseph is that he responded in a righteous and a compassionate way. And so he, de he decided it was best, we're going to just keep this, keep this on the down low, to, to just uh, divorce her quietly. That was his plan. But then God intervened. Verse 20 says, when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Okay, just a quick comment here. You gotta, we have to cut Joseph a little bit of slack. At least Mary had a heads up. She had an angel come and visit her and say, hey, by the way, this is what's going to happen. Okay, so Mary, Mary got a heads up. Joseph did not get any heads up. He found out in real time. He found out after the fact. But I love this. What we see is that God graciously met Joseph where he was at. In his fear, in his confusion, and he brings courage and clarity. Notice the angel calls Joseph son of David. 
you know, earlier in Matthew, when, we, when they're going through, Matthew's going through the uh, genealogy, we, we see that Joseph, he's the son of Jacob. He's in the line of David, but the angel here says, Joseph, son of David. And I think something profound is happening in this moment. You see, the angel, he begins his message to Joseph by appealing to Joseph's identity, his heritage, the line of David. It was as if the angel said, Joseph, you are not some random, peripheral, or tangential guy here. You are the one God has chosen for this role. This means that you're going to adopt this boy as your own. And in doing so, this boy, Jesus, will be brought into the line of David. Just as the promised Messiah is meant to come. You will adopt this boy, and in doing so, you will be bringing about the fulfillment of prophecy. I love that, and I think it was important for Joseph to know that God had chosen him for this role, chosen him for this moment. So the, you see the angel appear, appealed to Joseph's identity, but the angel also addressed Joseph's fears. He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Again, taking Mary home as his wife, that, that would have been a scary thing. And not because, oh, scary Mary. You know, like she wasn't the scary one. But again, what we just talked about, it would be a scary thing to take home Mary as your wife. By taking her home, he was essentially opening himself up to the scorn and the shame of the community. By taking Mary home as his wife, Joseph, he would be immersing himself in this story of scandal. The decision to take her home, it would come at a cost. And it's important to know, what are the, what are the costs that he was, w would have to pay? I think there's a couple here. I think it would cost him what we talked about, his reputation. I mean, again, the public perception was that either Joseph had been immoral or that Mary had been unfaithful. Those are the, the two options. You'd either be considered a fool for taking home an unfaithful woman or a sinner for being immoral. So Joseph, the, it, the cost would come at his reputation. He would have to be willing to live with people believing lies about him. How many of us are willing to do that? To live with people believing lies about us. You see, it was going to cost him his reputation. It also cost him for a time any sexual intimacy with his wife. Verse 25 said, says that he had no union with her until, she, until after she gave birth. Until after he, he I mean, that, that would be a hard, hard thing. I'm sure Joseph took a lot of cold showers. Uh, I was debating whether saying that or not. We'll find out if that was wise. <coughs> but this was Joseph giving up his rightful privilege as her husband. And like lastly, I think in other ways this would cost him, and this is speculation, but in many ways it would cost him the experience of being the biological father of his firstborn. You know, when he would look into the face of Jesus as a boy, he would not see himself. He would see Mary. And I don't know if this was a thing for him, but just since becoming a father, I mean, it's, I take great joy in being able to look into the face of Archer and to be able to see little glimpses of myself or to hear other people talk about, oh, I, I, see, I see you in him. 
Like it's it's endearing and it brings joy and it's one of those things that would would cost him. Joseph would father he would be a father to a son who did not physically resemble him. He wouldn't call him Joseph Jr. <laughs> He'd call him Jesus. So there was definitely a cost. And if you were to add, take all these costs, all everything that was going to cost you, you would add it all up. I believe the cost did not outweigh the call. You see, the cost that came with a fear, but the angel spoke courage over Joseph's fear. And then we see when Joseph wakes up, when he wakes up, we see his obedience. That he did what the angel commanded him to do and took Mary home as his wife. You see, without Joseph's obedience here, I mean, we might not even have Christmas. We might not even have Christmas because Joseph obeyed. We can, we can celebrate Christmas. You know, another, a little bit later on in the life of Joseph and Jesus and Mary, like just a, a little bit later, Joseph has another dream. And in this dream, he's warned by the angel, you need to get out of town. You need to get out of town. Get, go to Egypt because Herod at the time, he is jealous and he wants to kill. He's hunting for Jesus and he wants to kill him. So Joseph gets, you know, wakes up and he takes the family and they leave. He obeys. And I just love this thought that, that God in this moment is using Joseph to save the life of Jesus so that Jesus would one day save the world. See, the dream that God graciously gave Joseph, it proved that the disruption that he was experiencing was, in fact, divine. <laughs> this, was, this was of God. God was at work. And in this way, in this way, Joseph could look at this. It wasn't so much a divine disruption, but it began to become a divine invitation to come and be a part of God's redemptive plan to rescue his people from their sins. His disruption could become and could be looked at as a divine invitation to be a part of what God was doing. So what have we seen so far? We've seen like that, that Joseph's life, it was not interrupted. It was disrupted, that it was forever altered. And in this disruption, it revealed the character that Joseph had. We see that he was righteous. He's compassionate. We see that Joseph was obedient. He was obedient to the call that God gave him despite the cost. Even though that it would come at a great cost, he was obedient. And you know, in reflecting on the story of Joseph, I mean, it can, re reflecting on the story or even as you hear this sermon, it can be, you know, we can tend to think, okay, well, what's the point here? And we could tend to think, oh, well, I guess the point is I need to go be like Joseph. You know, be like Joseph. Be righteous. <laughs> be compassionate. Obey. For goodness sakes, just obey. And now it's not a bad thing to be inspired by the life of Joseph. That's not a bad thing, and I'm not saying that it is. His, de his decision to be resolute and courageous, his boldness and strength of character to stand up to the community and to stand in and stand for Mary, I mean, those are things that we can admire. Those are gr amazing qualities. It is inspiring, but as we reflect on Joseph's character, his righteousness, his compassion, his obedience, despite the cost, I mean, if we're paying attention, that's all starting to sound kind of familiar. And could it be that this, that this is pointing us, this story is pointing us to the true and greater Joseph? You see, the story of Joseph, it really, all that he did, all who he was and all he did really 
it foreshadows everything that Jesus would one day do for us. Jesus was truly righteous. He was filled with compassion for the lost, for the least. I mean, Jesus was obedient to the point of death. You know, in the same way that Joseph, accept, he accepted Mary's stigma and accepted her shame as his own. He didn't distance himself from her, but he, he embraced it. He walked into it. You know, we're able to celebrate at Christmas the fact that Jesus did not distance himself from us. That he came down. He didn't stay far off. He didn't stay off in a, in a aloof, distant from us. No, on the cross, he came, he entered in, and on the cross, he took all of our sin and our shame upon himself. He embraced it as his own. He absorbed it. We know that God made him who had no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we would become the righteousness of God. And when we receive him, when we trust him, when we believe in his name, again, the name Jesus, the name that Mary and Joseph were told to, to give him, which means the Lord saves. When we, we, when we receive him, believe in his name, Scripture tells us that we're born anew. We're brought out of sin, out of shame, and we're transferred into God's family, adopted as his sons and daughters. And so this Christmas, as, as you reflect on the story of Joseph, May you be reminded of the true and better Joseph, Jesus Christ, who did not avoid us, did not try to distance himself from us, but he came, he entered in, he entered into the scandal of our lives. He entered into the scandal of our lives in order to save us, to adopt us, to protect us, and to ultimately bring us home to the Father. God, we thank you for that reminder this morning. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for Christmas. That we can be reminded of a God who enters in, that you are, you are God, you are Emmanuel, God with us. And that we, by believing in you, your son, Jesus Christ, God, we can be brought in to your family, loved as sons and daughters of you. Thank you for that reminder this morning, Lord. Praise in your name. Amen.